0: The Fake Show Podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, North 5th Brewing Company, Threads of Envy, The Tone Factory Recording Studios, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. In the
1: early 70s, you couldn't pick up an album and look at the liner notes without seeing these guys' names. I would buy records just because they were on it. The creative input of these session guys cannot be overstated. Can't be overstated. Russ Kunkel. Oh,
0: I've seen fire and I've seen
1: rain. Danny Korchmar.
0: And it's too late, baby now. It's too late. Least Glar. Hey, hey, don't you lose
1: my Wadi. And They were just musicians we knew, and they gradually became legendary session musicians.
0: My main goal was to not get fired.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tapestry, the whole thing was done in three weeks.
0: Three songs in one day, and we didn't piece together the best. No, it wasn't overdubbed.
1: Look, we were all in our 20s. No, there
0: was no sleeping album became like a, what's the next thing they're going to do? Those are scenes from the incredible music documentary on the musicians known as the immediate family. Wadi Wattel is part of that family as a renowned guitarist, producer, songwriter, and session musician who has played, produced, written, and or toured with Warren Zevon, Stevie Nicks, Keith Richards, James Taylor, Jackson Brown, Joe Walsh, Linda Ronstadt, and the list goes on. Waddy and his band, Immediate Family, have released this new single, Skin in the Game, the title song from the album. The documentary, Immediate Family, is available everywhere. I've got Waddy Wattell on the line right now in Los Angeles. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm great, Wadi. Thank you so much for joining me, and and congratulations on the Immediate Family documentary. I've Uh, talked to to Danny in the past, and also your filmmaker, uh, Danny Tedesco. It's just fantastic. Thank you
1: so much,
0: my friend. Skin in the Game is such a great single. I'm wondering, does everybody participate in the writing process here? The
1: the writing of that one was basically Danny, Russell, and I... uh... I wrote the uh, the middle break, the uh, instrumental release that's in it, that I played, played specific melodies together, and I put that into the middle of the song. But the composition, basically Danny
0: and uh, Russell helped him. I'm probably like everyone else, Wadi, when I was buying albums in the 70s, your name and, and Danny Korchmars and Leland Sklar and Russ Kunkel's name kept coming up on these albums, but I was still under the impression that most artists had their own bands. How did this happen for you guys? How did this all come together where you would uh, become everybody's band?
1: Well, you know, the uh, in the seventies, and, and it was studio musician was was the ticket. We learned that, you know, like before that, it was the Wrecking Crew, right? Played on every record, every record you heard on the radio at that point in time. Nobody had their names on record, so nobody had a clue. Who was playing? And it was due to Peter Asher, actually, who was the one who insisted the names of the players go on the record. And from that moment on, all of a sudden, it became a point of interest to people. Going, we oh wow, look at that's that name again. So it was the same for me. I moved to Los Angeles in 1968, and by 1969, I kept seeing these names: Russ Kunkel, Lee Sklar, Danny Cooch Korchmar. And I'm going, who are these people? And I I moved out with a band. And the band never got a chance to get off the ground. We tried. We had a number of roadblocks in front of us. And during that time, I decided, gee, I'd say I could play well enough to be a studio musician. I've been playing guitar my whole life. I, could, I think I could do that. Getting these names on the record. And then all of a sudden, I was on a session with Leland. We played for the great Bobby Womack. So there I met Leland. And then a few days or weeks later, I met Russell Kunkel. And then I kept looking at the record going, who's this guy Cooch? Why is uh-huh. he getting all this work in? How do I get in there? Why do I? Why is he getting all this guitar work? And then I was hired by Lou Adler, the amazing producer Lou Adler, to come play on a record, and there was Cooch. And not only Cooch, it was Leland and Russell and Danny. So that was the first time our band, the Immediate Family, unknowing that we were going to be this band, got together and we played on a record. Kept playing on different records Throughout
0: the 70s. You mentioned the Wrecking Crew. I had the great honor of interviewing Carol Kay a few years wow. ago, and she was saying that, yeah, we were we wanted to stay in the studio because that's where the work was in those days. We wouldn't dare take off. There were the exceptions like Larry Nektol and some others, but for the most part, that wasn't happening yet. And so who was the first big artist who said, I think I want to take you guys out on the road with me?
1: Well, you know, it's hard for me to really answer that, but again, Peter, Peter Asher was the one who said, I want the musicians to go on the road. I I believe it was for James. He said, I want these guys to go play for James on the road. I want it to sound the same way it does on record. You know, going back even further, I know for a fact that, like the Four Seasons, there was a, a drummer named Buddy Saltzman who played on those Four Seasons records? And they all of a sudden they said Buddy Saltzman has to go on the road with us, you know. So I mean, it started a while ago, but uh, but Peter was the first one I believe to put the uh, the ensemble together that that needed to travel with the artist so it would sound the same.
0: I believe Wadi, that Carol King at the time was pretty much a side musician, and she would she would go out on the road as well as a as a keyboard player, oh, piano yeah. player. Yeah. She really did consider herself a, a writer and a keyboard player.
1: Yeah, I, I'd seen Carol around town, but I knew of her as the, the great, amazing songwriter she was. She wrote these amazing songs while we were all growing up. She was a kid. She wrote "Crying in the Rain for the Everly Brothers. Yeah. And I, I actually was sent, there was a wonderful man named Brooks Arthur, who was a engineer turned producer from New York, who was a uh, major, major part of the music business. And I became dear friends with him, and he he hired me a lot once, once we met in Los Angeles. He sent me her original demo of "Crying in the Rain, and it's got her, because she wrote it with the Everly's in mind, so it has her singing harmony with herself on it. And she wrote that. She wrote Locomotion. She wrote Up on the Roof of course. for the Drifters. She... She and Jerry Goffin wrote their way through our lives before we even knew who Carol King was. And I remember there was a a health food restaurant in Los Angeles, and I saw this girl sitting there by herself. And I was sitting with this friend of mine. I said, "I swear to God, that's Carol King sitting there. Uh (laughs) Carol King just sitting there alone in this dumpy little health food restaurant." And the funniest thing was when I got hired to play for Carol. for this next record server. She I was passing her in the hallway and I said, Hello, I said, I'm Wadi. She looked at me and she goes, Are we related?
0: <laughs> I could <laughs> okay. see that
1: full of curly hair and, you know, Jew noses and she goes, Are we related? <laughs> I said, I, I hope so <laughs>
0: You mentioned the Everleys. Uh, I've always been curious. You performed with the Everly Brothers Band with Warren Zevon in the early 70s, later producing the Excitable Boy album with Jackson Brown. I have a million questions. We don't have that much time, but what do you recall about the opening lyrics and writing that on Werewolves of London? <laughs>
1: um, I had just got, I had just gotten back from London. So when I walked into... My friend Roy Marinell, who was the third writer on Werewolf,
0: Warren was at Roy's
1: house. I just happened to stop by there on my way into town to go work for Linda, but I stopped by to say hello. And Warren was there. He goes, "Oh, Waddy, I can't believe you're here." Bill Everly just called me and said, "You guys need to write a song called Werewolf of London." He saw that there's an old horror movie called Werewolf of London, English yeah. movie, and uh, and Phil could write a song with that title. So Warren told me that, and like I said, I just got back from London. So I said, oh, you mean something like I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu? I spit out the whole first verse, basically, at Warren But <laughs> I had just come back. I had just been to Lee Ho Fook's restaurant. I ate beef chow mein. Uh-huh. So I just said, you mean like I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand walking down the street in, Soho in the rain? And Warren's going, yeah, 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 like that, like that. And I, I finished the verse, and I went, and let's see, it's about a wolf, so we ought to go, and he goes that's great, that's great. And our friend Roy had this guitar lick that he'd been sitting on for years. We tried to put it in a million songs, and never worked. And finally, I just said to Roy, play that lick, Roy. And it's the main lick you hear in Werewolf, sure. yeah. that piano lick. And I said, play that lick, finally. And he started playing it, I started reciting those words to it, and Warren's going, that's great, that's great, let's keep going. And I looked at the clock and said, You guys finish it, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, we, we almost finished the song. The, the Trader Vic's line still wasn't there after we recorded it. Warren called me on the road and said, I, I got it, I got the last line.
0: I just love that. I'd I'd never heard that before. The great Wadi Wattel, part of the immediate family documentary, You Must See It. It's available on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, and all the streamers. The new single, Skin in the Game. It's been a great honor, and thank you so much for all the decades of music. We love it.
1: Thank you, My
0: pleasure. Thank you so much. He knows everyone in the business and has played with everyone in the business, both in the studio and on the road. Once again, Skin in the Game is available on all major platforms. That finishes this music episode of The Fake Show podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.